You're listening to Angling Solutions, a podcast brought to you by Red's Fly Shop, and I'm your host, Joe Roeder. Red's Fly Shop is located on the banks of the Blue Ribbon Yakima River in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We ship flies and fishing gear all over the world. Shipping is fast and it's usually free. Visit us at www.redsflyfishing.com to gear up for your next big fly fishing adventure. Today we're going to chat with a good friend and colleague of mine, Shan Sedgwick. Shan and I have been fishing together for at least 15 years and we've had all sorts of crazy adventures together. We've had trips that have been perfect and we've had some trips that are not so great and learned a lot over the years. So chatting with him today is going to be a great way to help you guys get the absolute most out of planning your next fly fishing adventure. So I hope you enjoy chatting with Shan today and listening to him as much as I've enjoyed fishing with him over the years. Welcome to the show, Shan. Well, thank you very much, Joe. I'm excited to be here and uh, I hope people listen. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to solve some, some fishing problems for them. Today's topic is going to be really talking about how to plan a successful fly fishing trip. So we've taken lots of trips together and uh, some good ones. And some adventurous ones and some where we didn't catch as many fish as we thought we would at the beginning and some where we caught way more fish than we thought we would. Yeah, overall they are uh, all memorable, but you know, for a lot of folks out there, um, and I think you and I have found this because we're both dads and we both have jobs. Um, you know, I fortunately uh, work in fly fishing 100% of the time. You work in fly fishing about, oh, 80% of the time. I'd say anymore. You guide a lot. But, uh, you know, our time is precious just like anybody else. When we get a chance to put a trip together, we want to make uh, great use of our time as well. And uh, I think that a lot of the, the people out there listening to this are thinking, okay, yeah, I get, you know, six days a year, 10 days a year whatever it is uh they want to make the most out of those days so that's our topic today is how are we going to do that well you know what i've always thought that plan 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 and then be flexible with your plans was the best thing that you could be when you're going on one of these trips redsflyshop.com gives you an idea of what to expect when you come to the yakima river with a great report that's given almost daily if not every other day and sometimes i'll use some other service like that if i'm going to montana i'll look at their local rivers and see what my expectations might be for that river for that time period yeah the internet's just got it's not like it was in the old days you and i started fishing together and man i what what would you just call around exactly right check the newspaper to see what the bite was like yes that's exactly as a matter of fact you'd say i knew a guy in montana who came back and said the fishing was great and then we leave at six o'clock that night fish for one day and be back the next day at midnight yeah i don't think that that's a feasible way to play in a trip for most guys as a guy comes back we leave that night but we've done that but uh I I want to tell our listeners out here, they probably know a little bit more about me as the host, but uh, Shan, when did you and I start uh, fishing together? Well, Joe, the first time we met was I bought your hide drift boat because I wanted to start fishing the Yakima River, and I knew I needed a drift boat to do it successfully. So we met, I bought it, I needed a negotiation technique where I thought I was going to get a great value, and that was... 
I paid you the full amount you were asking and I said you had to take me out four times in the next six months so that I could learn how to fish from a guide. So the first time was a couple days later, Joe called me and said, hey, you want to go fishing? I was so excited. I called in sick to work. I couldn't sleep that night. I'm going out fishing with a guide. I'm really going to learn how to do this. I got there. I found I didn't bring enough beer and I had gloves because I the rowing was tearing my hands up and they threw the gloves in the river. That was the first time I was fishing with Joe. <laughs> Welcome to Fishing with Joe. Threw the gloves in the river, didn't bring enough beer. Uh, And actually, uh, in my defense, we did fish after I had already guided all day. And that beer tastes pretty good after you've been guiding all day. Um, Yeah, so you and I have been fishing together like 15 years, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I remember I just, uh, anybody who knows Shans or fish with them know we always, we like to have fun no matter what the circumstance, which is like, Maybe that's point one for how to plan a successful trip is make sure to you always have a good attitude. But I remember Shannon and I have always joked around a lot, and we we uh, not to get too personal here, but uh, Shannon saw two dudes hug when they saw each other, and they were they were fishing with us that day. We were guiding, and the two dudes were like, "Hey man, how's it going? Great to see you." And they they you know do this man hug thing, and Shannon looks at me, he's like when are we going to have a relationship like those guys and those good buddies? And we just both started laughing. We're like, oh, man, it's, uh, we're way beyond that now. We, uh, we've always loved fishing together, and we've done a lot of trips. Um, and we used to do more. You know, your kids are a little older than mine, but um, I'm like anybody else. I've got three little kids at home, so when it comes to playtime, i got to make good use of that time. So uh, I think we're pretty relatable in that sense, even though we do guide for a living. Uh, Time's still precious. You know what? I think the most underestimated time of any trip is the anticipation of that trip. So when you're looking on the internet, you're buying some equipment, new equipment, or you're figuring out some place to go fishing, all that excitement, that adds to the result of the trip. And I think a lot of people forget that, how, how jittery and how excited you are just doing the planning portion of it. Yeah, and that goes for, I mean, anything, even just sitting at work knowing you're going after work that day is, you know, that anticipation's awesome, but... You just got back from a, a big trip, kind of a bucket list uh, trip for you. Possibly the best fishing in the whole world, Christmas Island, Kar- Karabati. Yes, unbelievable. And I'm not checking it off my list because I got to check the return box on my list for that one. Yeah, that's a big deal for those uh you that don't know where Christmas Island is. I've been there uh, two times, and man, I just... I, it's it's amazing, but it's uh, you you fly to Honolulu in Hawaii there, and then it's about twelve hundred miles south of Honolulu. Um, you, you hop on another plane, and it's a little ways to get there. But man, what a what an incredible island experience! And uh, just from a fishing standpoint, it's a it's a big one. Um, did you ever think you'd get on an airplane to go fly fishing? Never in my life. Yeah, me neither. I uh, you know I grew up. My dad worked in the uh, logging industry, and uh, he'd get laid off from time to time. We didn't have a lot of money, and and uh, the even the concept of flying somewhere to go fly fishing. Like, I remember we went to Eastern Wash. I grew up in Western Washington, which is on one side of the Cascade Mountains. I remember we went to Eastern Washington to go fishing once, and that felt like another planet. I remember spending a hundred and fifty dollars on a fly rod, and not wanting to explain to my wife why I spent that much money on a fly rod. <laughs> and and that was my, I sat there and I polished it before I ever used it. I sat there in a chair and I looked at it when my wife wasn't around. 
What are you talking about? My uh, according to my wife, the most expensive rod I've ever bought is about a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we all that that's going to be another good show. I think Joe. Yeah, how to <laughs> diversionary tactics for fly fishing, uh, budgeting with the wife. But yeah, that that Christmas Island trip was a big one. So I'm sure you know when it and, and you know we'll try to keep this this chat here between us uh, kind of focused for every guy, but. Christmas Island, you still went through all that planning phase of, of kind of going into the unknown and, you know, is it going to be a good value and, you know, what are you going to need to bring, uh, all that kind of stuff. You know what you did? And like I said, that's part of the fun, part of the excitement. I think on any of those trips, you buy a variety of flies from Red's Fly Shop and then you think, you know what, I caught most of my fish on these particular two flies, whatever they might be, or five flies. And I bought all these extra. Well, you know what? You buy all those extra because we don't know exactly which one of those five flies is going to be the best one, but we know one of those five flies is the money maker. And so you, you, you might not use all the flies that you got, but the ones that you did use were amazing result oriented. All right. So when, when you were teeing that trip up, I mean, what, what do you think was the most helpful in just, kind of wrapping your mind around what it was like to to be there the worst thing that was the most helpful and it's funny to say was the reading of the information on the internet i get caught up in watching the video of the big gt getting caught and how he cast in there and the bite and the fight and i don't start reading the article and the article told me everything i needed to know but i get caught up in watching that fish porn and going crazy and next thing i know i'm clicking on another catch a big gt and i should have been reading the article because that article <laughs> had all the information i needed to know they had about yeah you got to be careful with that because about four clicks from there you're watching baseball bloopers where some guys catching the ball in the stands with his pants around his ankles or something <laughs> completely unrelated to what you started on but i don't know top 10 bikini models i think i saw that two or three times while i was looking for gt yeah you can usually get there in one click but yeah the videos that kind of stuff is really fun but you touched on something and that was uh words man when it comes to learning stuff uh i'm a big believer in in going kind of back to you know books when you can um anything that you know it's like words that actually get typed and produced there was a fair amount of thought that often went into that you know whereas uh you know videos unless the content it depends on where you get i'd love for people to be able to check out the videos i put out there and i would think they're good but um a lot of times yeah the the text where somebody actually took some time slowed down and and explained maybe the not so sexy parts of an adventure destination and uh and kind of spelled it out there for you uh sometimes the words um are a little bit more more valuable than just some some cool fishing action yep i i remember joe actually wrote an unbelievably great article or pages of an article um about christmas island so i was reading that and it said one of 12 on there and i thought holy crap i have to read 12 pages how lazy have i gotten that 12 pages of reading about where i was going was a daunting task instead yeah. of just looking at pictures well the for every 100 miles you fly there's like one more page cuz you got to be that much more prepared but um, you know for for planning a trip and and watching people come to our shop you know for a lot of people who don't know what we do we i mean we we see anglers from kind of all ends of the spectrum from the dude who just stops and he wants some free advice. Our shop is on a river. And, and so people come in just fishing for advice and that's not a problem. We're going to point them in the right direction. And, and we do guiding and outfitting and travel all over the world and stuff too. But the, 
it seems like the mistakes that are so preventable for people when they're getting into a trip is like, honest to goodness, just having a general idea of where they're going, like, you know, getting out a map or a paper map and, you know, people, you know, will will head for a destination. Okay, we're going to the Yakima River or the Big Hole River or, you know, Frying Pan River and actually having a grasp of going, okay, well, there's 12 fishable miles or X number of fishable miles. Um, where are you going to park? You know, like, where are we going to go? Um, and doing some of that road recon uh, in advance and having a general idea about, you know, where are you actually going to go? And do I need a parking permit? Is it going to be a BLM site? Is You know, there's nothing worse than spending your morning kind of bopping around, figuring out where you're going to park on a day where the fishing is really good and spending that time figuring that stuff out. Um, that's actually really well done. You know, right now it's wintertime. We're looking at two feet of snow outside of our shop. But like right now, you can start kind of getting an idea of where you're going to fish. Uh, and then, uh, you know, actually making some some road recon in the spring, you know, an early part of the season. You ever do that, Chan? You know what I do? Uh, there's an adage, the hunting starts before the hunting starts. And I, I've never been able to turn that over to the fishing starts before the fishing starts. But yeah, that's exactly right. If I if I want to go fish an area and I have the ability to go peruse it ahead of a time when the weather's not great or I know I can't actually fish, but then I get those put-ins and I get an idea of what it looks like and I get an idea where I can wait and where I can't wait, that's very useful. Yeah, and just getting a, a real feel for what the river actually looks like uh, before you're under all that pressure to, to try to put fish on the bank people tell me all the time oh i i went and i found this spot i really liked and i was fishing it, and then i just stayed there all day i'm like well how'd you do well i got a bite at first but you know and then it slowed down after that well when you find a spot you like it's really important you figure out okay what did i like about that you know was it that it was easy waiting did you have a good back cast and for a lot of folks you know it might be a good idea to jump in the car and go find another spot like that and another spot like that. So the next time you return to the river, you have four, maybe even five spots that you can stop and access where you can make efficient use of time. And I, I see a lot of that, you know, people spending too much time in the wrong water. And uh, that road recon in advance, if it's a place that's close to home, man, that'd be, be a great way to start is just take a little road trip. Maybe get one of those fancy coffees or <laughs> breakfast burrito, drive around a little bit and... Uh, and spend some time early in the season doing that. Now that works for stuff that's within driving distance. But uh, now, Shan, we, you know, we've done a lot of trips, you know, to Montana and uh, parts of Idaho and stuff too. Um, when you're going someplace that's, you know, a weekend or a few hours drive, um, what do you do for R and D when you're when you're looking at a trip like that? The internet. I'm looking at the internet. I'm looking at other places that post whether it be a fly shop or a, a, a blog post on some guy who's fishing there. I'm looking at those to grab ideas and thoughts and plans. Um, I don't need but a specific stand on this rock and you'll catch fish, but I do need a broad stroke. This portion of the river fishes well by boat. This portion of the river's wade fishing a lot easier. Walk away from the access. Don't just pull in and fish right at the access. You got to walk away from the access, and not many people do that. So those kind of th- those kind of uh, hints on blog posts or websites are great. I like what you just said. Did you say walk away from that access? Boy, first thing I do is pull over. I look right where I pulled over and think, oh, I got to fish this. And I know that if I can separate myself from every other guy who's pulled over there and walk upriver or walk downriver, you know, a fair amount and then get away from where everybody else was fishing, that I will do better. 
just get that you found success just getting a little bit further from the easy stuff a little yep. more walking and the water gets better and better looking i think yeah well that's the adventurous side of you um and then uh you know what i thought and maybe i, I misinterpreted this but what i thought you were saying is walk away from it going kind of high grading going no that that's not good I emotionally need to not spend half of my day here because I know that's not the best water on the river. I need to go ahead and jump in the car, or the boat, or whatever, and then uh, find a different access to. Because I see a, you know, and the river where we, where we, uh, our shops located here, we get the luxury we drive a lot. So I would drive to work in the morning, or I drive home in the evening, and I see anglers pulled over it's it's 13 miles of river that i drive by 13 miles of fishing every morning and every night and i do see a lot of anglers stop at the same spots like what you're now that you mentioned that i kind of laugh it because there's the the rock slides around mile marker 20 upstream from our shop here and there's there's some good fishing around those rock slides but inevitably i will see uh that one angler that starts there in the morning and he's fishing the slack water that's not moving below the rocks where there's like zero fish and then guess who I see in the evening all the way back still fishing in that same spot. And you know what? Oh, sorry, Joe, but some of that can be our fault from the fly shop because we'll tell you where that rock slide is. And that's just a marker. We're just telling you that's a general area where you can go. But we're what you need to do then is walk up away from it. That's just the, the way where you can park your car. Yeah. So we're telling you to park your car there, but we're not telling you to spend all day fishing there. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like people get just miss a lock on, you know, and, and it's the predator in us, you know, we think, okay, there's a fish there, but uh, yeah, people got to be able to jump around a little bit, but so looking at blogs, yeah, that's, that's key. And, and the internet's so much better than it used to be as far as accessibility of information. But one trick I use uh, when I'm going somewhere is I, if you're looking at the recent blogs, chances are you're too late, um, you know, and you can't predict the future. But, man, browse back. Most, most outfitters and, and fly shops around the country uh, will have years past. And I'll go back and look at, you know, two, three, four, five years, you know, from, you know, you get a, a longstanding reputable outfitter that's been blogging for a long time. But if you're planning a trip for, say, the third week of April, to a specific river, maybe the Missouri River or wherever. Uh, go back and look at that that company's blogs from the last couple of years during the third week of April, and chances are you're going to get a pretty good fly list to start. Now we've actually got some some good some good information on what fly to use. Do you you use that technique, Shan? I sure do. And wherever I stop, you know, I'm getting some free information from the place I might be stopping at. I'm also going to buy some flies that they suggest because I my my blue wing hackle might not look the exact same way as they tie a, tie a caddis fly on the other river. So I'll buy a few flies that they suggest when I'm getting that free information. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple. I, w- I won't mention them on the podcast, but there's a couple that I use from, from different places that I go, and I'll look back, you know, a couple of seasons. And, you know, myself, I'm either, you know, I'm probably going to buy flies before I go. Um, that's just how I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all that in advance just to so that when I show up and I'm there to fish that day, whatever destination that is, I – and – you know, I'd sound like such a hypocrite here because we have a shop on the river and I'd love for people to come into our shop in the morning and we'd love to help you out and give you, you know, very real time information. But for me, I, I like to show up wherever I'm going. I don't want to stop anywhere. I'm going to grab a cup of coffee on the way, but I want to be able to pull up and know that I'm armed and dangerous kind of right from the get. And uh, like I said, time's precious. So I want to make very efficient use of my time in advance. So for me, 
I'm a fly buyer like way before I get to the trip. I'll be ready a month, two months in advance. I can agree with that, certainly. But most of the time, you know, we're boat owners and we like fishing out of the boat from the camaraderie of being in the boat together and giving each other bad times about poor casts or missed fish. So, what, what poor cast? <laughs> the poor cast are on my side, the missed fish are on his side. Um, but you go in there, so you're setting up your shuttle. And in the midst of setting up the shuttle and, and you have those ideas in the past, you know, there's great maps online and you just have, oh, we want to go from here to here on the shuttle. And then you get a little more information from the fly shop that you're, you happen to be running that shuttle at. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, that, you know, for, for, uh, you know, anybody floating, uh, yeah, you're going in the shop and I'd love, love to see everybody support their local shop. We're certainly one of them, but, uh, not, not every destination has a shop either. So you may be doing some background uh, research in advance and, and trying to get yourself prepped. Uh, you know, there's an app out there too. Have you ever used Shuttle Snap? You know what? I have not used Shuttle Snap. Uh, I did use one way off the one beaten path when we went on Boise. They don't have a shuttle service. You get the number off of the wall in a service station for shuttles. <laughs> which I thought was so bizarre to me that, that that's where we got the number to call to go get our shuttle on you're, Boise. You're kind of like, who's, who's moving my truck? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, so Shuttle Snap is just an app. You can get it for a smartphone, and uh, yeah, they use it here on the Yakima River. I'd, I like to go in if I can, but uh, some places, the reason I mention it is if there's not like a local retailer that you can stop in and sign up for a shuttle, um, there's an app called Shuttle Snap that may offer shuttle services uh, on rivers where there isn't an actual retail location where you could stop in and hand some guy a spare key and get some information and such too. So I think check and see on shuttle snap before you go somewhere and, and maybe that's a way to, to hook up with a shuttle too. You know, the funniest thing is, especially when we're somewhere in Montana or Idaho, someplace we've run a shuttle, I'm always relieved when I come around that bend and I see my truck. I don't know why that that's always in the back of my mind that maybe I forgot to give the key or something went wrong, but you come around that corner and you see that truck at nine o'clock when it's getting dark and you just feel, oh, everything's done perfect. Everything's good, yeah. A reliable shuttle service is like, man, what it, what confidence to be able to have your truck's going to be there. But yeah, I'm I not, never I never get over that. I've done thousands of floats and I'm always that got some some shuttle butterflies when i'm pulling up the takeout at the end of the day have you ever not had your truck wind up where you're supposed to yes i have and of the times it's 50 50 my fault and occasionally the fault of the shuttle service but i didn't leave a key i wrote down the wrong place just 50 50 my fault so you're i have had the same thing happen and i've you know i've been guilty of, of all that um but i've never forgot the money and had them not run the shuttle i forgot the cash a couple times in there you get that that note they're trying to be so nice like hey you forgot to pay jump you know like and i i catch up with them later but you remember that time when we were guiding together we were guiding steelhead and uh it, we, we have this thing when you're when you're working as guides together there's very few things that will drive the other guide that you're working with more crazy and cre create more guide drama than not getting back to the lodge when you're supposed to okay so like that's one thing that needles guides so like for instance say we're guiding together and hey we're gonna be back at five o'clock guess we need to get on the road well one guide shows up at you know five to five he's right on time one guy shows up at six and you're sitting there for an hour putting on a dog and pony show 
telling telling fish stories to the customers trying to kill time like no really i didn't come back too early the other guy's too late (laughs) but remember that one time that i was late and we were guiding steelhead and i was late and i get back and i said no really my shuttle got moved to the wrong spot and in a leap of faith i floated down further than it was supposed to be and that's what made me an hour late and you guys all called me a liar. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But, you know, it's one of those things you want to catch as many fish for your clients. And now you're sitting, <laughs> sitting there and the other guys have fit some fish story in that last hour that something happened. But, yeah. Guide, guide, one more memorable shuttle service. Wait a minute. The story's not done. So they all called me liar, liar. You're so full of it. You know, you stayed out later. You want to get a bigger tip. And, you know, all this junk. And they're just laying on me. I'm like, no, really, guys. Like, he moved it to the wrong spot. It really wasn't my fault. And then the next day, we went into the, the place where we got the shuttle. And we said, hey, can I see that? That or that sheet and i had i actually i was right and that i still don't think you believe me i think you think i went in and had that sheet changed well we have a lot of water and bridges for stories like that but one time i put in at a place called the slide a miserable horrible place and i went too far down in my truck and we're all standing there looking and there's a, a line of 10 other shuttles putting in there but there's no way to pull my truck out and it just so happens in the middle of nowhere a tow truck comes by that's right you were stuck 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 vertical front wheels not touching the ground and as we're all talking about this and i said a line of guides are now looking at where the heck they can put in because my truck is jammed one of the most popular put-ins in the river and five minutes into it a tow truck comes by from the (laughs) telephone company hooks it up just pulls me out like that Problem solved. Luckiest guy in the world. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, that was like an act of God that that tow truck just randomly drove down that road. I mean, it was like it couldn't have been more perfect. And I actually I have a picture of that. That was a pretty good one when when it was really muddy that day and you just slid back. I think the suggestion from the other guides was just to drop my truck into the river <laughs> and forget about it and let them get start putting their trucks in. Oh my gosh! So yeah, there's a tip for you: plan a trip. Don't don't be a dummy and and get your truck stuck at the put in. But uh, kind of getting back and trying to trying to help people solve some problems here. So uh, I think expectations is a big one. I think for a lot of people, there's this worry, you know, when they plan trips, like you know. Well, I mean, there's all this, this, well, I guess it's fear. It's fear of the unknown, which is really, I think that the Wikipedia or the Webster's definition of adventure is it's a pursuit of something into a situation with an unknown outcome, right? So anything we do that's adventurous by definition has an unknown outcome. So I think there's a little bit of fear that people have when when they're planning a trip. Maybe it's a week long or weekend or just something. And I think one of the biggest parts of that fear is like, not so much like what if i don't catch any fish but i think there it's more of like what if i what if i'm not spending my time wisely you know like what if i get there and i'm like well this isn't that fun i should have played golf you know what i agree a hundred percent on that but i've had a steelhead trip where i didn't have i was thinking the same thing why am i out here doing this no fish for the first eight hours i catch one fish and then i'm like oh my god this is why i remember I'm out here because this and that and that's all worth it. <laughs> Best trip ever. <laughs> exactly right. And the only thing, the only difference was my expectation should have been enjoying the time that I was out there doing what I enjoyed with the people I enjoy. 
and and maybe not being so caught up on the actual number of fish I caught or the the biggest fish in the world. Well, yeah, and I I think what I really meant to say or mean to say is I it's not so much I think everybody's going to go fly fishing's uh they're manly enough or comfortable enough in their own skin that if they don't catch anything, it's not going to taint their ego. They're they're still going to get up the next day. But what I mean is uh just efficient use of time, you know, like if you go fly fishing and you know and your gear's working good, you feel like you're prepared, you've got the right flies, and maybe you did some road recon either before the trip or maybe you didn't, you know, but you drove you drove some access points and then you spent an hour in the morning figuring out where the best looking water was. You you, you exercise some restraint. No, you can't cast there yet, uh, but you drove the road the road a little bit or looked at a couple access points. And then you made an educated decision on where to spend your time. That angler fishes for the day, maybe has little to no success. At the end of the day, he's still feeling like, hey, that was time well spent. You know, I enjoyed myself. I casted well. I feel like I spent time in the good water. But I think the fear of the unknown is like, well, what if I go and I just struggle? You know, what if I what if I can't find a good place to fish and I don't catch anything and I don't, I don't even know if I have the right flies. We can eliminate a lot of that fear on the front end by getting a little bit of education on, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of gear do you need? What kind of flies do you need? Or do you have the right size tippet? Some of that stuff. You know, I think you said beforehand, when you give me an outline of what we're going to talk about, the controllables. And I think that's what you're talking about is you controlled everything that you possibly could have controlled to the best of your ability. And sometimes the, re- the, the fishing result based into that isn't under your control. And I think you described that really well. Well, yeah, so like controllable factors, you know, we gave ourselves a little education and, and I laugh because I, I do these seminars at sportsman's shows of a big mixed bag of people. I mean, you've got folks that have never even thought about fly fishing before that just like the sound of your voice or maybe a funny joke. And you can see those guys kind of stopping in and then you've got your hardcore guys sitting up front taking notes. But the bottom line is, you know, there's no excuse not to be a little bit prepared anymore. You know, with a smartphone and a couple extra minutes on your hand, uh, you can have a pretty good list of flies. Um, you know, we have a feature, not to be too salesy, but we do something called the Dirty Dozen at Reds. And, and the goal of that was really to kind of give people that pro shop fly, you know, kind of custom fly assortment experience online where you jump online, hey, I'm fishing in the spring, I'm fishing a small river, you know, in uh, the west, and here's the name of the river, you put it in the order comments, and then we do a little bit of our, you know, research for you that we put together a dozen flies and, and send it to you, but when we get those orders for places we're less familiar with, we're good at jumping online, and it takes us just a couple of minutes, and we can nail down a really good assortment of flies, just the same way you could, but you know, we have a little extra time on our hands at the fly shop sometimes to do that. But no excuse not to be prepared anymore with you know, the way information is, is shared. Agreed. They're, they're really, that is on your own bad if that happens because you didn't do a little preparation time. Yeah, and then, you know, we've had a couple of trips. In general, most most of our trips have gone pretty good, but there's some little things like when you're planning for, you know, a weekend away, uh, you know, you're going to do your R&D of figured out what flies are working and, you know, you know, you've got the appropriate weight rod and, you know, floating fly line and, you know, or sinking fly line or whatever it might be. So there, there's some gear prep to do. And then uh, we've got this other little bit of prep and, and uh, 
we have a guide. Uh, he's not currently doing a lot of guiding for us, but he's been a longtime friend and fisherman. He has guided for us in the past named Luke Hoisington. And I got to laugh because, like, I remember Luke and another one of our guides were planning on road trip to Montana. I mean, just a couple of dudes. I mean, they might guide, but they're just fishermen. They, they actually have other jobs. They guide part-time for us, and they're about the fishiest couple of guys I know. And uh, when they were planning a trip to Montana, their conversations were a little bit about flies, but those guys are smart, man. They think things through like, hey, do we have a spare tire? You know, do we have a spare tire for the trailer? If we do, we might as well bring it. I'm not suggesting everybody has to, you know, be a worry, you know, worry wart and go out and get two spare tires or et cetera. But those guys thought about stuff like spare tires, you know, make sure you got a spare key or two if you're doing shuttles. Uh, beer count, which is always important. Beer count's key. You can't. Yeti cooler, <laughs> wildly stronger, keeps ice longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but little stuff like spare tires and whatnot, like you, you you jump in the car to go for a road trip, it might be smart to think about some jumper cables and double check some of that regular roadside stuff that you driving you know on your normal commute back and forth to work might not be an issue. But I'll be darned, dude, if my big trip to you know Montana or you know Colorado is going to get the ruined. Deschutes, Joe. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Okay, so I'm on. Uh, here's a good story. Oh my gosh, this is a perfect example. I mean, there's hundreds of these. There's more of these podcasts, but do will remember this. So I'm on the Met Howe River, and uh, I'm doing a little bit of a guiding. And uh, I had a couple of buddies that were just going to join me for some buddy fishing. And uh, it'd been a long time since we fished together, and and they they were messaging me like hey how's the fishing on the met how and i messaged you know messaging back like hey it's you know i've been kind of tough and they're like hey uh you know what about going you know to the deschutes and and fishing on the deschutes and and i thought well it's like you know it sounds like fun you know i've never fished the deschutes but i was like what a great time i mean it didn't have great fishing reports but there we go it's time to do some recon and we were steelhead fishing and back to planning a trip the guys had looked at the steelhead counts on the dams and it doesn't take a genius you can go there right now when we get done listening to this podcast and kind of start learning how to look at steelhead counts as they they travel up maybe the columbia river system or whatever rivers near you if you're a steelhead fisherman but anyway they look at steelhead counts hey we, we should go to the deschutes and steelhead counts are good and i thought hey what the heck you know so they did their end of the planning and they'd they'd been there a couple of times before and but the the problem for me was I was near the Canadian border in Washington State, and I had to drive all oh, 500 mi- 500 miles. I honestly don't know how what, how far it was, but I was towing my raft trailer, and uh, little tiny tires on that thing. I was like, I don't know what diameter those things are, but they're small. What are those like? Like sixteen inch tires, they barely bigger than a kid's bike. Donut, yeah, small donut tires, thirteen inch tires. <laughs> They're tiny, and uh, so it was a hot day. And I mean, the tires. I, and truthfully, I didn't examine the tread before I went. So <laughs> I think you could see where this is going. So I drive like five hundred miles on a hot, you know, summer evening, like all the way from near Canada down into Oregon, the middle right? of Oregon. Yeah, like middle of Oregon kind of thing, and uh, it was a long ways. And uh, so we get down there, and these guys had, you know, they'd booked a last-minute cabin, and they'd been able to focus on that and the planning. And their planning wasn't very good because there was only two beds in this thing, as I remember, and I slept on a hard, a dirty hardwood floor. 
with spiders and such. So uh, they had planned well for them, uh, but not included a spot for me. And since they made the booking and they, well, they, they footed the bill for the cabin. So I was happy to sleep on the floor and save 60 bucks. Uh, well, they, they, uh, they made the cabin. So the next day we get up and uh, they hadn't really done a good job of planning the float either. Uh, they, they plan like an 18 mile float and on the Deschutes, it's all fishing on foot. And when you're planning your own float trip, remember this and write this down. Shorter is better than longer because you don't know where you're stopping or where you're going. So it might take you a little longer to figure out whether place you park the boat is a good spot or not. And, uh, so we did way too long of a float. So we, we get the shuttle arranged and all that, and we're floating down and on a long float, you have a really tough time figuring out where, you know, how far have we gone? You know, what are the landmarks like? And uh, there's some really good GPS apps for your smartphone. I use one called US Topo Maps. Uh, it's on my smartphone. It gives me a real-time GPS location on where I'm at so I can see power lines and railroad trussles and access points. So that's one little tip for a floater. I mean, we could do a whole different podcast on, you know, how to put together a good float. But long and short of it is we get down and it's just getting dark and we float to the takeout and shan what did i find at dark random takeout end of the long dirt road one tire didn't have as much air as the other tire completely flat tire on this little trailer and when i walked up there my heart just sank right i'm like are you kidding because i was already exhausted i'd guided for a week and was stoked to be on this trip and we were actually having good fishing for our first time doing that in a particular float so did i have a spare tire no you did not have a spare tire Joe. didn't have a spare tire so and when i looked at the tires i go wow i melted all the tread that 70 miles an hour driving on a 90 degree summer evening melted all the tread off the tire so so now what am i doing i'm either i got some options right what are my options? <laughs> I'm not sure what your options are, but you have to get another tire or leave your trailer there. Yeah, so I got some decisions to make. So I'm like, well, I can break down this this raft, and my raft that I was using it had, I mean, standing floors and big frame, and you know, it was it was you know, a big boat, right? Break it. We could have broke it down and loaded it in or on the truck somehow, but that it was dark and. So anyway, I ended up leave, beaching my raft at kind of a random access point, which didn't make me feel great. And then uh, I took the I took the flat off of the, which this was dumb. I took the flat off of the trailer, but I didn't take the other one off. So I should have taken both of them with me because they both really needed to go. I drive back. Uh, I think we we're staying and mopping. Uh, the guys, of course, my buddies. They're this is my problem kind of thing. They want to fish, so we drive all the way back to mopping. I don't get much sleep. I got to drive them all the way back to the river. And then I drive back to mop. And of course, a lot of listeners have been to mop and there's not a lot there when it comes to getting, you know, spare tires, uh, for rims. Uh, there's not like a big tire store. So I drive to the Dalles, you know, long ways away, uh, ended up going there. And, uh, because I hadn't brought that second wheel, I couldn't get two new tires. I ended up going, you know, I probably should get two. So I ended up having to buy another wheel so it cost me way more money. I get my tires that Dallas. I drive all the way down there, replace this thing. So basically, I lost an entire day of fishing just not having a spare tire and burnt, you know, another 150 bucks worth of gas and spent, you know, much money on these tires simply because I didn't have a, a spare. T- 
time, worry, frustration, all those things could have been saved by just a little prep work. I am going to give you one of the luckiest guy in the world. That's me, tire, flat tire stories, which is the Clickitat River down by the hatchery. I get a flat tire. It's a horrible road. You're going down there. I get a flat tire on the trailer that is my raft, so I don't have a spare either. I drop the raft off. I'm talking to the guys. Hey, I don't know how we're going to get this back out the 30 miles back to a gas station and all this stuff. What do you think we should do? They said, like all guys you're going to fish with, they say, let's go fish and we'll worry about it later. So I drive back there thinking I'll do it. And the flat tire's gone. There's now a tire there where my flat tire went that's fully pumped up. Like magic. Like Like the tire fairies came and pumped up your tire. Exactly right. And I didn't, it wasn't just a flat tire. It was a ruined tire. And and because I had driven down this big, long declined. And for the life of me, I thought I was crazy. And I thought it never happened that I had the flat tire. Although I knew we had the flat tire. I go back there where we put the braft in and go, guys, the tire's not flat anymore. I don't know how it happened. This is amazing. Now, I kind of, I vaguely remember how we got that fixed. What ended up happening? I know I was involved in some way, shape, or form. The shuttle guy who was running our shuttles, Jared. Yeah, Jared was a guide for us. And I remember, yeah, for some reason, he and I were together that day. It's kind of coming back to me because it was Jared's tire off of his truck. And we had gone down there. He was riding with me. And we saw it. And he goes, I think my tire will will fit that trailer. And he and I ended up going fishing, and he stayed and changed. I wasn't there when he got it done, but he stayed and changed your tire. He changed my tire with the tire from his truck, <laughs> and then they had had driven away with Joe in about half an hour time. And then this time, I was discussing with the guys what we should do with the trailer, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, just screw it, let's go uh, fishing." <laughs> of and course, so, they said, "Yeah, <laughs> that's what you always say. We'll just figure it out at the end." And that was the most memorable because my tire was changed like it was the uh, NASCAR series of cha- of cha- of changing tires. Oh, that dude! He gosh, he would get stuff done, man. I mean, like, there's so many elements of being a good guide, and one of them is like, dude, being a mechanic, you got to be able to solve some problems. And a MacGyver mechanic, and uh, maybe just not being a dummy and being prepared, you know. Um. Yeah, there's, you know, flat tires. I mean, all, you're going to deal with all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, but, you know, back to these, you know, kind of jumping back to expectations. Um, you know, the other thing is kind of being prepared, controllable factors. I've said this a lot of times to people, and it's fitting because, you know, there's a ton of snow on the ground today, and it actually looks pretty fishy out there to me. Um, it's one of the warmer days we've had. It's above freezing, miraculously, but... Uh, I've said this a lot of times is it's easy to have fun not catching fish when you're warm and comfortable. It is really tough to still have fun when you're either wet, cold, or uncomfortable. So clothing and preparation. All that preparation stuff that Joe explained at the beginning, whether it's your flat tire, whether it's the the onesie that Sims makes that keeps me so warm, whether it's that or wool socks or dry wool socks because your other socks got wet and you have a a change of clothes in a dry bag because you were prepared. Those sort of of preparation things are only necessary when you need them. But when you need them, you really need them. Yeah, a couple of tips, you know, just to make this a little bit more strategic and tactical. Uh, Man, two pairs of fishing gloves, just absolutely get yourself two good pairs of gloves. If you have success at all, those gloves are going to wind up wet. And if you don't have success, 
and your gloves wind up wet, now you're just going to be miserable and not catch a fish. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, so two pairs of gloves, two pairs of fishing gloves is a good tip. Um, and then always have some kind of rain shell or wading jacket anytime you're around water. Um, and there's a big difference between just you know grabbing you know a random rain jacket and a wading jacket, and that is, and it, it's you know as we're in here, it's hard to explain. But if you don't own an actual wading jacket at this point. Put that on your wish list because that will save trips for people. I've guided so many days where people didn't have a wading jacket and they take a tiny little stumble in, in the river. And what happens is their arm and they catch themselves. They take a little stumble and they catch themselves in the water. Maybe they were wading knee deep and had a little stumble and they put their hand down on a, a rock and from their elbow down gets wet. Well, as soon as your elbow down gets wet, that's going to start dripping and running down inside your jacket against your skin because that water goes in against your sleeve and runs down your body into your waders. And people, I've seen them lose days of fishing and lose half days of fishing because they didn't have that wading jacket. Wading jacket actually cinches up around your wrists in a semi-watertight fashion. That way, if you stumble a little bit, you fall, or you're in the rain, you don't get water running down your sleeves because that'll make your hands cold, obviously. And as soon as your hands are cold, everything takes longer. You know, making that critical fly change, untangling, you know, rigging up a double set of, of nymphs or something that might take a little time with cold hands is tough. So I think wading jackets are, are really critical if you don't have one. Um, you know, I don't want to use any scare tactics, but when it comes to things like hypothermia, I mean, hypothermia's wading jackets can prevent that. They can pre prevent your water filling up with waders. Um, so it's just a good idea in general. And then obviously if you bring your rain jacket, it's not going to rain, which is smart in the to begin with. That's the reason to have it. It's rain guaranteed. It goes away. Don't bring it. You're going to see rain. And then, you know, a shell, you know, as a wading jacket, it's pretty much just a shell. There's like no fleas or anything on it. It'll shake dry. So when you get hit in a squall, you can take that shell off and shake it dry. It's not like having, you know, a more complex mountaineering type jacket as a substitute. I used to I used to wear this North Face jacket that I thought was so cool. It was like a kind of a snowboarder's type jacket. I'm like, this is awesome, you know. It was, it was all technical. I had the pit zips so when you're rowing you could open them up. But man, every time it rained in that thing, it would just like, you know, it was Gore-Tex shell, but eventually all that fleece and all that extra baloney that those jackets have would get wet and it would just it would weigh like 12 pounds by the end of the day, just because everything would soak into it. Yeah. I don't know how many times uh, in the Pacific Northwest where we're out there fishing, especially steelhead fishing, and the guy has a nice um, uh, rain jacket on, and uh, he falls in the river, and he didn't get wet at all. It, it cinched up around his waders. His arms didn't let any water in, and he survived almost unscathed even after falling down in the river. Yeah, I mean, there's that. That's a critical piece, and then uh, you know, uh, we'll do a different you know podcast on planning like saltwater trips or some place you're getting on a plane because that's that's one you really can't screw up. You don't want that to happen. Well, at Carabody, it only costs an extra hundred and fifty dollars to go overweight, so <laughs> there's no problem. You can't throw a whole bunch of money at. I guess. Did you fix. go overweight? Uh, Mark, uh, one of the guys that we were fishing with, went overweight. Uh, <laughs> don't make fun of him he bought that stuff from us <laughs> yeah that's true thank you very much mark when you're listening to this i remember you fondly always uh, um yeah so we we got a few minutes left let's talk about uh 
you know, back to expectations, um, making sure you guys, like, when you set your trips up, I, I and it sounds like I'm being almost negative when I say this, but it would be extremely arrogant of us to think we're going to have great success the first time we go fishing somewhere. And I'm talking about do-it-yourself trips, you know, for all of us that are planning stuff, you know, independently of a guide, you know, with a guide, we have a certain level of expectations that we're going to have some success. I mean, we'd better be at least be in the game, right? But when you set up your own trip and you make your plans and you get to that spot on the river and you're thinking, what, how come I'm not just knocking, knocking a dead? That's a pretty arrogant idea because even the very best spots under decent conditions don't produce every single time you go there. Uh, we went to the Beaverhead. Supposed to be thousands of trout per mile, brown trout. Saw all the guides catching fish. We weren't catching as many fish or we weren't catching any fish. And we didn't have a guide. And we thought our, our expectations were just going to be every cast. Literally every cast we should have a fish. And that did not happen. Now we did end up catching some fish. But every time we looked, the guides had fish on. And, you know, that's I think what Joe's telling you is that, you know, you, you're going to get there. There's a learning curve. And you're at the bottom end of the learning curve first time through. Yeah, we, we uh, yeah, in, in a way that was arrogant of you. I don't mean to sound down or mean or anything. 100% arrogant. Yeah, but and, it, and it's okay because we want to fuel that, that passion for dreaming and that anticipation. And we have all these hopes and expectations and we've definitely built those expectations up through use of social media and the internet because we're seeing everybody's we're seeing every outfitter and fly shops freaking highlight reel on the blog and their fa- their Instagram page. Look at those fish. My God. So, of course, we have these inflated expectations when we go there. But it would be a little bit arrogant of us to think, okay, I'm going to go there for the first time and I'm going to have great success. So, we want to keep those expectations kind of in check. Instead, we want to say maybe something to ourselves like, I'm going to go there for the first time and I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to I'm going to learn and I'm going to establish, you know, what rock I like to stand on or what gravel bar is fishy to me. And if I have some success, great, that's a bonus, but my first trip or two, I really need to treat it as a an experiment, if you will. And fly fishing is not done in ugly places. Look around. I used to be a guide Nazi. I remember once a lady told me, "Look, there's some deer." And I said, "What are you doing looking up?" told you to look at your fly lady (laughs) you need to be looking down here if we're going to catch fish you can't look up there and see bighorn sheep and deer and eagles flying around and now i really enjoy looking up and looking at this stuff fly fishing is not done in ugly places it's done in beautiful places yeah so you know set those expectations realistic remember that you know even the best fishermen um you know going to that spot on certain days aren't going to have success so you know, go with that attitude, uh, you know, of, of, you know, you're scouting. It's okay not to catch fish. We're going to learn some stuff. Uh, we're going to control everything in our, you know, control, you know, from the intangibles like flat tires and spare keys and, and fishing licenses, you know, make sure you got the right license and do all that due diligence in front. Do not wait till the day of your fishing trip to buy your fishing license. My goodness, people. The internet, you <laughs> use it. You don't know how many times people stop in here. Oh, I need to just grab my fishing license. Well, the internet at fly shops is in a lot of areas are spotty at best. And it could be a, a, an hour long ordeal for you 
to get your license then what, and there. And what if everybody's waiting for it. What if it's busy that day? You know, like so get your license in advance. That's, that's, little, that's like a bonus tip right there. That should be worth ten bucks. But um the last thing we'll kind of hit on um before we wrap her up is uh having some kind of backup plan. So you ever uh you ever make backup plans? Let's see. We're, our plan was to go fish the great best squala fishing in the world in Montana. We got there. There were no squalas. So we said, no, we just need to go further into Montana. So we left the Missoula area, went all the way down to the big hole, 300 and some miles. Guess what? We didn't ask. That was, that was our backup plan was to go down there. We didn't ask. There weren't any squalas there either. So now we drove an extra 300 miles to do some good fishing when there was no fishing in our backup plan. We didn't have one that existed in Missoula, and that's what we should have done: is stayed there, have a backup plan, instead of let's just just drive another three hundred and fifty miles. Yeah, the backup plan we talked about earlier for me was a total suck fest too. When I went to the Deschutes and got my flat tire, <laughs> but you know, backup plan's not really difficult to make, and you could do it in a couple of different forms. Um, and it's good to have a completely snowy and I- bitterly ice cold off season because it's given me a little time to reflect on this, but. Your backup plans can come in a couple forms. And as I, I gave a ton of advice to people at some trade shows uh, that were kind of, you know, those excited, energetic beginners that we love so much. Uh, I'm trying to explain to them, okay, well, the river might be muddy, you know, in the spring because the snow melts and the river gets muddy and it's kind of unpredictable. And, you know, they wrap their mind around that. Well, what do we do next if it's muddy? I'm like, well, okay. And it was a really good, it was a logical question. And I, said well you can do this or you can do this you know you have a couple of options and they're i mean they're they were the note takers they were those folks sitting in front right so they 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 got me after the the presentation but your backup plan can be a couple of different things one you can just say you know what i'm willing to punt on this one and i'm gonna go anyways even though my river or my maybe there was no squalas now in that situation had you stayed there and fished anyways you might have been able to learn a you know where to put in where to take out maybe some landmarks halfway through so that you could, on the next float when the hatch was good, you could manage your time more wisely, right? And heck, the squalas might have showed up two days later and I would have been fishing in the area that they were in, in having to be in Missoula had I stayed instead of not had a plan and just gone haywire. Also, yeah. lakes. Lakes are good places to fish. I think that gets overlooked as a, as a plan B sometimes. Totally, and uh, sometimes you just can't blink. You got to do it anyways. And some of the best trips we've had have been in adverse conditions, but your backup plan can be like, okay, more of a mental change and go, okay, the, the conditions are bad for whatever reason. Maybe it's super windy, stormy, rivers, muddy, whatever it might be snowy. Uh, but for some reason, conditions have, are a little bit adverse, but you can just say, you know what, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to adjust my expectations and I'm going to spend a little bit more time looking at bighorn sheep and eagles and deer along the river. And, I'm also going to learn and try to develop a good plan so that my second trip is twice as productive. I can do that road recon. So backup plan number one could be like just a mental change of expectations, I guess. Um, but, you know, number backup plan number two would be, okay, if I can't go and do plan A, what are my plan Bs and, and maybe how long it's going to take them to get there because plan Bs have kind of some implications on do i have the right tackle for like a lake for instance so yeah agreed yeah so backup plans are good um and uh you know you definitely want to you know kind of mentally either change gears or kind of know where you're gonna head uh and fish somewhere else so 
hopefully some of this stuff helped you today. Uh, Dan, you have anything to add for uh, anybody trying to, to plan a great trip? You know what? I like to go fishing out of boat because that requires two buddies of mine to go fishing with. And so that's always great fun for me. And one of the things that I think Joe gets tired of hearing from me is, but the weather's not perfect that day. You know, it's not the most sun or 80 degrees, which is supposed to be the best. And Joe has taught me this. You just live with the weather you're going to get and make the best of it. You can't control whether the river comes up or the weather's bad. You just live with that and do the best you possibly can because you can't control that at all. Yeah, very few people regret going. But we had two guys who were on vacation in, the, in this part of the, the country from North Dakota and it was literally icebergs yesterday. I'm not joking. There was icebergs floating downstream. It was a winter storm advisory. It snowed like 10 inches. School is closed today. Yes, yeah, school was closed today. These guys fished with our guide, Noe, yesterday and had a great time. They hooked nine or 10 fish. I don't know how many they got in the boat. Had an awesome time. Super memorable venture, but they just rolled the dice and went for it. And kudos to those guys, man, just for... For a, a slight mental change of going, you know what? This isn't what we exactly what I picture, but they had a great time, and I guarantee they're talking about it right now and how much fun that was. Go out and fish. One of the guys told us this one time. Why are you guys sitting here talking about fish all the time? Go out there and fish. Just get her done. So get your calendars out for uh, for this upcoming year. Earmark some dates. Uh, start making your plans, and uh, you're never going to go if you don't get the plan laid out. So. Uh, Anyway, good luck this year and uh, tight lines from the guys at uh, Angling Solutions and the Reds Fly Shop Podcast. Keep listening because these are only going to get better from here. Well, that was a lot of fun reliving some old memories, chatting with my buddy Shan today. What a great time. Uh, He brought up just some things that I had forgotten about uh, and just uh, great advice just on, on being able to just have fun regardless of what the outcome of your trip is and We'll probably get a lot more technical when it comes to to fishing gear on future podcasts and things, but this one is a little bit more of a 50,000-foot level today. And uh, to hit on some of those things that he talked about, it's just everything in your control when it comes to planning a trip. The internet the way it is and access to blogs and social media and whatnot, we should be able to check uh, river conditions, reports, and a lot of that stuff well in advance. And uh, so do your homework uh, you know, be prepared and spend a little bit of time up front was kind of my takeaway in chatting with him. Uh, and then there's always some unknowns that are going to happen, but hey, that's all part of the adventure. So it was great catching up with him today. I look forward to having him on uh, future podcasts, chatting with him about other stuff and other advice that he can share with you.